Hello and thank you for listening to episode 273 of 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave and this is another of our interview shows. And in this one, I get to chat with Norwegian screenwriter and director Andre Overdal. We talk about his upcoming movie, Mortal. Well, I say upcoming, it's released on DVD on the 24th of August by Signature Entertainment, but it is already available on digital HD. So you can either rent it or buy it to own and uh, and download it. And I recommend that you do buy it. <laughs> it's a really, really good film. Uh, myself and Tina watched it and we we loved it, as you'll hear in the show when I talk to Andre about it. And of course, I can't have him on the show when I say this to his face uh, because, of course, this is a video show as well. You may well be listening to this audio show, but this is another interview show that is also on our YouTube channel. So if you'd like to see me and Andre have a chat with a few little graphics thrown up on there as well, Go to the YouTube uh, channel, have a look, at, and subscribe, of course. That's that's always a good thing. But yeah, we talk about the 2010 movie Troll Hunter as well. Uh, brilliant, brilliant film. Again, if you haven't watched it, that's another good recommendation. And it was great having a chat with Andre. Hopefully, again, have him on in a future show. He's got so many new projects that are in the planning stage because, of course, with all the craziness that's going on still in the world, a lot of filmmaking has been put on hold. But hopefully slowly but surely things will return to normal. Films can get made again. We can go to the cinema properly and watch them. So looking forward to having Andre back on the show maybe next year, talking about some of the new films that you'll have then. Until then, sit back, relax, get comfortable, and hear me have a chat with Andre Overdell. Andre, first of all, I always thank the guests for giving me some of their time. And yet again you're somebody who i've been looking forward to talking to for a long time especially after watching mortal the other night which we obviously we're here to have a, a good chat about so thank you for giving me some of your time today oh no, my pleasure it's uh, great talking to you and uh oh yeah oh it's very exciting talk about mortal as well oh yeah before before we get on to mortal though i can't have you on the show and not talk about one of my favorite films not just of yours but of one of my favorite films and it is, of course, Troll Hunter. You've talked many times to many people <laughs> about Troll Hunter. Uh, and me and Tina watched it the other night again. Not as we need any excuse to ever watch it again. <laughs> but I can't believe it's 10 years ago that this came out. It's gone by so quick. What's the last 10 years been like for you since making Troll Hunter? And it just blew up everywhere and it got the attention that it so richly deserved. No, it was amazing. I mean, the, the last 10 years, obviously, it's like a dream come true for a beginner filmmaker who hopes to be able to make movies for the rest of your life, in a way. And um, then to have a movie hit uh, and be so successful and so beloved as it actually has become is uh, it's an amazing thing. Um, something, you know, it's a one in a million to be able to do it. So I'm very, very... Uh, uh, lucky to have experienced that and you know Hollywood came uh, for me after the movie came out and it was I was given the opportunity to meet all these amazing people over there making movies and uh, I was eventually able to to get to the autopsy of Jane Doe a fantastic screenplay that I was able to uh, I was being given this chance to direct and um uh, and that went well as well. And it was a total opposite. I was able to prove that I could do something completely different than Troll Hunter as well, because I needed to, because you can't keep doing found footage movies for the rest of your life, in a way. And it's not. So that was. And then Guillermo del Toro, you know, comes with his movie. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, and and also Mortal, which was a, is a more of a home cooked movie here in Norway. But it's uh, yeah, no, it's been a dream come true in every possible way. And I love I love different countries, folklores, their mythology, and of course that's a big part of Troll Hunter. It's a big part of Mortal. I've got I've got to ask you, Andre. Though, have you ever seen anything or heard? third hand through friends any sort of strange happenings or anything that, that's gone on like uh, like in a supernatural yeah yeah ghosts or i mean you always have uh, friends who you know who have seen something they feel is a ghost i'm very grounded i'm very much uh, in a way almost a non-believer in things i can't touch but I'm, uh, but I'm in awe of the, the the possibilities that are there. I, I, that's why I think all my movies, in a way, deal with the supernatural, mm-hmm. but in a very grounded way. It's basically my perspective, but looking at something that I can't explain. Yeah, and of course, um, Norway yeah. has got such a rich history of mythology as well, hasn't it? Yeah, is yeah, that, it does. And is that something? Because I was looking at. Because, of course, with everything that's going on in the world, everything's changed, you know, especially for you as the filmmaker projects put on hold. And I was looking at one of the projects that you've got lined up, which made me smile as well. I thought, oh, I can't wait for this one. Again, set in Norway's to do with, with UFOs as well. And with that rich mythology of Norway also comes the beautiful scenery, the landscapes. I, again, watching both Trollhunter and, and Mortal, it seems no matter where the camera is, it's it's just a beautiful vista. It, it must be something that's great for you, again, as a filmmaker coming from there, that you've got this rich tapestry of not only history, but of beautiful scenery to tap into as well. Yeah, absolutely. It is um, it is something I discovered almost on I, I, on Trollhunter. Is some of these areas we were filming in, I hadn't actually been to those areas before, and they were just awe-inspiring. Uh, so amazing. Um and even though you know them, you've seen pictures, you know, you've been in a neighborhood uh, through your life to just stand there and be able to film it is, uh, is amazing. I mean, it basically becomes our substitute for big budget Hollywood movie sets. Yeah. We, we have our natural vista and you kind of have to use that. And also, I think the Norwegian population is very, pro- is very close to nature. The moment we have a vacation time, in a way, the first thing we do is just run out into nature. <laughs> So it's kind of we have a very closeness with nature uh, in in the population uh, and in our mindset. Yeah. And it comes through in all of your films, like I said. But I think one of the things, one of the the opposite side to that, with you working within nature like that, the weather has got to be something that poses a few difficulties during filming <laughs> because the weather can just change. I guess it can change just within within the hour from one one extreme to the other, can't it? Yeah, I mean, especially there is a big scene which you, of course, know now um, in on on this bridge in uh, in Mortal, where we had to close down that bridge for five days to be able to shoot that sequence, and we we came to set at two a.m. in the morning because the light came up at three thirty in the morning, so we were ready to start shooting as soon as the light was up, and and we closed one lane and the other lane we closed for fifteen minutes at a time, so the cars were just piling up everywhere. But the weather, of course, kept changing like crazy throughout the day mm-hmm. because it's in the middle of a valley in the western side of Norway where the weather is very shifty. And it was uh, – so the VFX company had to work through all these shots, I don't know, 150 shots, and and 
not just to calibrate the weather in the clouds and the sky in every shot, but in addition, there is a story to tell there. The weather is yeah. coming in. So they had to add, we had to create this, this journey of the weather in that whole sequence. God, that just, so that it's, just adds yeah. so many more problems to you as a director. And, you know, another thing to think about when you're on set filming this thing. Yeah, but then you have to rely on your VFX supervisor, who was actually um, a UK-based, uh, who's a friend of mine from the UK, who I work with on uh, the autopsy of Jane Doe, Stephen Coram. And he has to, you know, stay on top of everything on set and say, okay, we can fix that, we can fix that. Uh, so we constantly in conversation with your with your crew about how to handle these issues when you come to post and and when you edit you have to pay attention to it. But yeah, on set you almost have to ignore it mm-hmm. to a degree because your main concern on set is how the actors work and the, the actual storytelling of the story and all the other stuff you have to uh, almost have to ignore. Well, as best as you of, can. One of the things I love about your films, Andre, as well, is they do have effects in them, and, and they're very effective as well, especially given the budgets that you're working within as well. You know, you're on a restricted budget compared to a lot of the, you know, the huge multiplex things that are thrown out at us. But, but your movies always, at their heart, have characters that you care about and you feel empathy for. And then whenever ha- anything happens to them, which may or may not involve the effects, you care for them a lot, a lot more whatever happens to them, good or bad, it impacts you as a, as a viewer more. And that seems to be something that's taken through all, all of the films that you do. And it seems to be a thing from European filmmakers, and especially from Norwegian filmmakers. I mean, we've watched um, The Wave and The Quake over the last few years as well, and they're Norwegian films. And again, they're, they're, they could be made as huge, big blockbusters where it's all effects, but at the heart, you care for the characters. What's it like putting a film together where you know there's going to be effects, but you as a filmmaker ground everything within the characters and keep the viewer involved in what's, hap- in what's happening to them despite yeah. everything that's going on around them? I mean, I'm, I'm more preoccupied with human psychology than I am with special effects. Mm. I love special effects-driven movies, and I know how to handle a shoot in a way with lots of effects. Uh, and I also know the, the enormous possibilities the digital effects world has given us over the last two decades. Basically, since in a way, since Jurassic Park, which was the first huge evidence of the possibilities that digital work do uh, give us. Um, and uh, But I mean, in a way, it's all about... Um, actually, I remember the line producer on the autopsy of Jane Doe told me that Okay, one day when you're on a big set with $100 million and everything is like huge around you, remember that it's all about you standing on set with two actors in front of a camera. You have your cameraman or camera woman and you have yourself and that's all that matters. And I do really agree with that. It's all about telling a story of human beings. That's who we relate to. And you have to be conscious of that. But also in addition, it's natural. You are conscious of it. It's what you want to say. You want to tell the story of... Eric and Christine and uh, and Hans and Trollhunter and uh, you you want to tell the story about human beings because and I think that even a movie like The Joker which was out in the last fall is the evidence that's a, a movie that is a super intimate little portrait in a way of a of a guy who has a lot of problems in his life mm-hmm. and a, a very negative view on the world in a way but it's it became a hundred uh, like a billion dollar hit. So clearly, the audience is interested in watching movies about people, yeah. 
as much a spectacle. If you give them a good movie about people, they'll come. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, as much as everybody, when the special effects first started, all the CGI was wowed by them. And that works to a point, but I think to draw you in, you've, you've really got to care about the characters and, and the actors. And have you, got, have you got any particular process when you're writing this, because, you know, because you're a screenwriter as well, is, is there any particular process that you go through when you're creating the characters and the situations that they're in, or does it just come all come to you organically and you sit there and write stuff down as, as and when it comes to you? I mean, I think that ideally I have a process of exploring the world out of out of context with a storyline first so what what would they go through what's interesting to watch these characters go through how would they uh, work as human beings if you pull them through a situation like this and how would they react if they go through that how could we achieve the maximum interesting moments for these characters so if totally out of context you just work up i don't know 200 scenes or ideas around what uh, faces in their story that could be interesting and then i start to like okay how can that work as a as a cohesive move uh, you know move forward how can it work as a storyline and i am actually quite preoccupied with structure because i do think that structure in the end is, is something that is very crucial for movies as opposed to a novel where you can kind of tell the novel in 100 pages or, you know, 1,200 pages, and you can weave in and out of your mind in a way as you please. A movie is images of practical world, of the practical world. You can't really be inside somebody's head, or you can, it's hard. And uh, therefore it becomes, and also a movie is, has more, to, it's a very simple story usually, a movie compared to a book. And... Um, and I and you know I kind of divided into four acts and sequences and when I when I've had all this information gathered in a way put it up all on the wall, then I put my structure up on the wall and then I try to like slot it into becoming a movie structure. I love as so, well the, the the dark humor that you put into your films as well. Again, rewatching Troll Hunter again the other night and, and even with Immortal. There's those touches of dark humor where, you know, there's peril, there's excitement, there's sadness, there's happiness. And then there's bits where we were sat and we couldn't help but giggling as well because, you know, you, yeah. you put this little bit of dark humor in there. That, that seems to be something that you love to put into, into your films too. Yeah, and I gravitate towards it. I mean, I didn't write The Autopsy of Jane Doe, but there is a lot of subtle humor in that movie as well. And that came from the writers and it came from also from the actors on set. I remember Emil Hirsch, actually, he, had, he improvised a lot of little humorous things, some things that didn't end up in a movie, actually, but they were really funny, but we had to keep such a strict structure on that movie. Mm -hmm. um, but also in Troll Hunter, I always wrote it as a comedy. Uh, initially, it was a very dark comedy, and then I talked to the producer, and we kind of lightened it up a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was very much like, a, you know... Uh, my inspiration for Troll Hunter initially was actually Man Bites Dog, if you ever saw that film, Black oh, and White yeah, Belgian. Yeah, yeah. Film. That was like the, uh, it was a documentary, not a found footage movie, just a documentary about this guy who has a crazy endeavor in front of him and the camera crew who gets more and more involved as the movie goes along. And that kind of was the blueprint for, for uh, Troll Hunter, adding in elements of Ghostbusters and Jurassic Park, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> Slightly different, you know, yeah. And how did, how did Mortal first get it, the beginnings then? What was the, I mean, because it is, I was going to say, what is the origins of Mortal? Because Mortal itself is an origin story 
too. So yeah, how did how did that first begin with you? I mean, it was an idea. I remember a, a producer named Brian Kavanaugh Jones, who's a producer on the movie. He called me and said, "I love Troll Hunter." I met him in LA, but he's one day he just called me out of the blue and said, "I love Troll Hunter so much. Is it possible for you to come up with an idea, another idea that is rooted in Norwegian mythology, Norwegian the Norwegian world, uh, in a way?" Uh, and I kind of spent a bunch of weeks figuring this out, and I pitched him like seven, eight ideas. And in the end, this one was clearly the one that we gravitated, I gravitated towards, and he agreed. And we discussed a little bit, and then I wrote out uh, like a well, eight, ten-page document with the story. And it's kind of the same story. This was like back in 2012, 13, very, a long time ago already. And... Um, uh, and it, it was just like, and then started working uh, to flesh it out. And I started working also with a writer named um, uh, Jeff, uh, who's uh, got who's credited on the movie, to work out the, the, a script. And uh, and eventually, when production started nearing, I got a, a good, very good friend of mine to help me re make it more emotional and make and uh, tweak the storyline uh, while I was actually prepping the movie mm -hmm. because then it become became very busy uh, for me to to be doing rewrites so we were just like honing the script for six months before the shooting started yeah so then once shooting starts I take it there's is there any leeway at all that you maybe change something on the set you see something or see something within a performance from one of the actors and you might want to change it a little bit or is it locked down solid and, and, and that's it? No, I mean, I have a tendency to, especially when I've written, basically it's my own story in mm -hmm. a way, then I have, then I feel all, very free to just do whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, within the basic parameters of what you're shooting, I mean, you already made a schedule and, uh, and if the scene takes place on a bridge, obviously you can't change it to, you know, the middle of a city. <laughs> Instead, just because you came up with the idea, yeah. then you're sticking to the bridge scene. But you, I always fiddle with the dialogue, especially even the night before, and some little go over just knowing what we've shot already the day before. I realize, okay, wait a second, that line actually now has to change. Yeah. And that the, the physical movement in that scene has to evolve into that. For this scene to make sense now, because we did a little change on set, you're always compromising when you're making a movie, and a compromise doesn't need to hurt the movie. Yeah. It just needs to be a, a compromise that reality versus uh, versus your dream idea of yeah. what you think the movie should have been. At some point, they're going to collide, and they might not quite, you know, they might not fit perfectly. And uh, and then you have to be agile and and live with that. And I, actually, that's some of the fun of filmmaking is how every day is so unpredictable uh, within parameters, but then you have actors who have to like live the scene. It has to, you know, it just has to work. And, um, and you have all the, the challenges of filmmaking, the physical challenges of a crew and set and equipment. And yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's a dream come true to be able to be a director. I mean, how, how yeah. How, how have you matured as a director from, from the very beginnings, even from before Troll Hunter? How do you feel that you've matured now, and how has your f filmmaking skills and the way you approach making a film changed in during this time period? Uh, I think I'm uh, more than uh, more in tune with actors' needs because that's the thing that you experience. You know, when you shot 
on a movie, you shoot a thousand shots, you know, and you do them three to eight times over and over again. So you shoot 10,000 shots in a way on, on one, on any given movie. Um, and, and with communication with the actors. So eventually that becomes, a, uh, you hone that dialogue, you understand what they need more and more and how to achieve certain things. Mm-hmm. So I think that, um, also I think I've refined, I'm, I'm working on refining an expression, a cinematic expression that is my own in a way, together with my DOP who I've shot three movies with now. Sorry. Um, and it's, uh, and I think that, uh, that's also the, the, a big fun thing is to be able to discover yourself as discover a certain focused art within your own expression and, and really try to work it regardless of the production situation, regardless of what type of story you're telling, try to find your own language and your own artistry within it. That's kind of my goal and hope to do. Yeah. And it must give you some, not comfort, but just a, a, a little bit more, um, just happiness that there was regular faces around you. Like you said, you've got a, a small team that has worked with you during the past three films. And if you carry on with that, and then you get to know how each other work, and you can almost have that unspoken communication on set that one person could be doing something without even being told to do it, and that will help with the production process going forward too. Yeah. And some days you're like, you're so on it on set and other days you're like very tired or you're drained or you like don't, haven't quite solved the scene and you're hoping that it will solve itself in a way a little bit more on set with the help of everybody else rather than just in your own mind. And uh, then it's good to be able to lean on sometimes like your, your, your wonderful core crew, like my DOP on certain days on the scary stories to tell in the dark, he would almost have to take over the, the shooting. We talk about it in advance and then I would like follow his lead on, on how the scene should be shot. Uh, because he had a clearer vision of that specific scene than I did. So at that point you're trusted, the trust is 100%. Yeah. And then you can, really really lean on the and on your the people around you which is a big thing in filmmaking you have to yeah yeah, oh, yeah i should imagine so definitely yeah. I've, I've deliberately avoided any spoilers to do with mortal of course and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh i was telling you before we we started recording that of course watched it really 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 enjoyed it and i do encourage everybody that's watching this and listening to the audio show to go and watch it as soon as it's out it's out on dvd over here from signature entertainment on august the 24th uh and it is very, very well worth worth watching. Um, I know going forward, and again, trying not to give any spoilers away, the way that this ends, I know you've talked about this before too, but it does set up more from this, I said about it being an origin story, and there does seem to be a lot more to tell. Uh, and of course, you're busy already in the backlog with you know all the craziness in, in the world. Um, I take it this is something that you do want to revisit. Have you, have you already started thinking about the possibilities of where the characters could go? Yeah, I mean, of course, there's a, no, I, I, I really, personally, I really love where, it's a story I was so eager to tell. The ending, which is quite a thing in a movie, came very early uh, in the development of the story that it should twist completely in the last two minutes of the movie. Yeah. And it's, uh, 
it's something I'm very, I'm very excited about being able to continue that story because that's a different story. <laughs> that's a very different movie than the first one was, but with potentially the same actor, potentially the same characters without yeah, spoiling anything. Um, and it's just, uh, so that would be, a, it was always meant to be the first act in a three part story. So there is like a, a, a general idea where a second movie could go, but you know, it's, as you said, it, I'm looking at, I'm staring down at several movies currently and we just lost a whole year basically yeah. at least. Yeah. Uh, waiting for those movies to reappear. Uh, so when that could happen, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be so frustrating. I mean, last year you were over here in the UK, you were at Fright Fest, uh, and Fright Fest is happening soon, as are other festivals, not just here in the UK, but worldwide, and they're mostly mostly going online. And, you know, these are things that you would have p- appeared at, and you could have been there with Mortal as well, and unfortunately that's, that's not going to happen. Hmm. Well, it, it has given you some time to do some writing, spend time with family, I guess, uh, and, and do some more things to, to relax a little bit before it all hopefully kicks off again soon and you can <laughs> throw yourself back into the movie-making business. Yeah, no, it has been good to be with family and uh, to, to stay at home a little bit because I was expecting to spend this entire year abroad, essentially. So that was uh, very, has been a very, a very good thing. Um, and, yes, I'm, I'm developing so many movies currently that... Um, I'm spending my nights on Skype and and uh, with with producers and with the producers on the projects I'm working on and the writers and tweaking and you know we have scary stories too, mm-hmm. we have uh, the last voyage of the Demeter and not least the uh, the long walk the Stephen King movie. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. I want exciting times ahead, most definitely. Uh, now I know we're coming up to the time. Uh, I do want to thank you again, and quite genuinely, Andre, every film that I've watched of yours, I have thoroughly enjoyed. So, of course, I'm looking forward to more from you. Long may you continue and make many, many more of them. Uh, And hopefully you'll come back on the show again soon, and we'll talk about future movies that you're making and go in-depth a bit more about everything else that you've already made. That would be great. Yeah, that would be a pleasure. Really great talking with you. Right. Well, for the sake of the edit, we shall say goodbye. But thanks again, Andre. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. 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 And the alarm bell, as always, brings to an end another interview show. Another interview show that I had a great time recording. It's also really good now being able to see the people as I'm talking to them. Uh, Maybe not so enjoyable for them having to look at me. Uh, Thankfully, you're listening to this and I'm just in your ears and not in your eyes. But like I said at the beginning of the show, if you do want me in your eyes... And it's okay. I'm just, I tuck myself away in the top right hand corner. I don't do any of that split screen rubbish or anything. The interview shows are all about the guests. They're not about me. So I'm just tucked away in the corner. Uh, Please go to our YouTube channel. There'll be a link to that in the podcast notes. And uh, again, give us a subscription. We're trying to get the numbers up there. The more people that we get subscribed to us, the more chances we've got of getting even more interview guests. And as I sit here recording this, I think I'm looking at a list now of five more names, five more interviews that I've got lined up. So it's some really good interview shows incoming. So you can help us get more just by doing a simple click to subscribe on our YouTube channel. Of course, go to the website 60minuteswith.co.uk. That is always there. There's a contact us form on there. You can email us direct, which is contact at 60minuteswith.co.uk. All the links to everything that we do is on there. The news, the reviews, the podcasts, all of our social media 
our Twitter and Instagram, of course, the links to that, both of those which are at 60 Minutes With. There's a really easy way on there that you can leave the podcast a review. Taking a few minutes to leave us a review, that's another way to help us get more interview guests. Also on there, and it started at last again, after all of the troubles that I had with Google, our World Tour page is now up and running with our new logo on there. So visit the website, look at the drop-down boxes, look at World Tour. It's so easy for you to join in on a World Tour. Take a few pictures, help us to get some more pins onto that uh, world map. It'd be really nice to uh, to see you, to see the logo. You, if you're a little bit shy, you don't have to be in the picture either. You can just hold up the card or, um, well, read it this different way. You don't even need the card with you. We can be on your phone. They're all the ways that you can help us. And uh, so that, that's it. Another show over with. Thank you so much for listening. Like I said, lots of interview shows incoming very soon. Lots of all sorts of shows incoming soon. Uh, we seem to be about two a week at the moment. Don't worry if you get behind. I know I'm behind on quite a lot of the podcasts I listen to. Uh, one of the great things about podcasts is they're just there. They're free. You can listen to them anytime. So keep keep downloading us. Keep us there. Listen to us whenever you want. So thank you for listening. I shall be back very soon, as will the rest of the team. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>